This week's episode of The Rutledge Perspective is a little bit different. I had a fantastic conversation with three doctors during Black History Month of 2023. And as we're moving into, in 2023, the time of this particular episode, we're moving into Women's History Month. I wanted to start off the month with this episode, for those of you who are not on Fireside or who didn't catch it on YouTube, this episode for those of you who are listening just to my podcast. Um, And I wanted to do that because yes, it's Women's History Month and February was also Heart Health Month. But one of the things that really hits women hard and is hitting everyone hard right now, but in particular women, because it presents itself very different, is heart health and taking care of ourselves and how we do some things to ensure that we are managing our health, managing our wellness, managing our relationship with our physicians in a way that ensures that we get the kind of care that we need and aren't just blown off as, oh, you're just an emotional female or are you sure it's painful? You know, uh, that kind of thing. And so there was some really great insight from these three physicians around those topics, as well as some things that you could do. I will give the disclaimer that's also in the show, which is Yes, these are three physicians and they are board certified physicians, but they are not giving you directly medical advice for your situation. So please make sure you consult your physician uh, for what you need to take care of your health. Thank you so much as always for tuning in to the Rutledge Perspective podcast. I truly appreciate it and I hope you enjoy this show. Welcome to the Rutledge Perspective podcast. This podcast is for you, and I welcome you to come as you are. There is no judgment here, just folks doing everything they can to stand in their power and show up every single day. So if you're looking for inspiration, welcome. If you're looking to level up or to make a change or you just need a minute, welcome. And if you're looking for some perspective on your circumstances, either personal or professional, well, that's my jam. No matter why you're here, I'm glad you are. And this message is for you. Welcome to my village. Welcome. Welcome to Alignment Vision Action on Fireside. I am your host, Laurel Rutledge, and I am thrilled about this one. Um, This is our first 2023 show, and I have three incredible physicians with me tonight. And we are going to talk about health. We're going to talk about being your own advocate. We are going to talk about the things you can do to take control of your health. We'll talk a little bit about how those disparities are showing up because we can do some things about those individually before the big things are tackled. Um, And they're going to talk about their individual journeys um, through medicine to get to all the madness uh, to get to where you see them now. So. (laughs) Yes. So I'm going to quickly introduce you to them because I'm going to put their full bios um, on YouTube. So for those of you who are watching on YouTube, you'll get their full bios out there when the the show is over. I'll be able to post it out there. Uh, And then when we post it on the fireside replay, you'll be able to see it. So first we have Dr. Tuere Coulter Hawkins. And she is here in Texas with me. She's in Pearland, just south of Houston. And she is a board-certified family medicine physician and owns her own practice, um, Family and Aesthetics Medical Centers down in Pearland. And she is a family medicine practitioner doing all of the things. Uh, And I'm going to let her tell a little bit about that story later because um, some of the things that her her, uh, patients have her doing now, which is awesome, 
we need more family physicians, right? Um, and then next we have Dr. Ken Red Cross. Ken, it's so hard for me to call you Ken and not Ken. So just so y'all know, Ken is family. But since we're on a professional show, I'm going to call him Ken. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's hurting my heart. Let's keep it tight. Let's keep it tight. <laughs> it's hurting my heart to do that. But Ken Red Cross is a board-certified internist, and he is a health and wellness advocate as well and a best-selling author. And his book um, was a number one uh, Amazon bestseller. And he talks a lot about that whole patient uh, doctor relationship and how we really can build those bonds to to have relationships that help us really maintain the right health. And and so that's part of what we're going to talk about today is how you ask the right questions and 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 have the right conversations. And then last but not least, we have Dr. Shayla Tunes Withers, and she is a board certified family and obesity medicine practitioner there in Tennessee. So we're all over the place right now. And by the way, uh, Ken is in New York and he's also a concierge physician, but she is in Tennessee and she has founded her own practice, the Essence of Health Wellness Clinic and Coaching and talks a lot about and helps her patients move into plant-based nutrition uh, as opposed to having all of that meat. And she does not, you know, push people into it. We had a long talk when we were at an event together and she's like, you know, it's all about just start by putting more green stuff on your plate. So Welcome to the three amazing doctors. Thank you for being on the show with me today. Thank you. So happy to be here. Thank you. This is going to be so great. I I just can't wait. So here's what we're going to do uh, because there's so many questions and I like want all of y'all to answer everything, but we're not going to do that because I don't make people crazy. (laughs) So I'm going to try to kind of move it around. But at the same time, if we move to the next question and there's something you wanted to add for that one, please feel free to do that. Okay. And to give a little disclaimer, yes, they are all board certified physicians. They are not giving you healthcare advice on this show. Okay. So full disclaimer, they are not not giving you medical advice. (laughs) I love it. Dr. Shayla's on top of it already. (laughs) Yes. Do not take anything that's said today as direct medical advice for your particular situation. Go to your physician. So let me put that disclaimer out there. So here's where I want to start, folks. So, and we're going to talk a little bit about your medical school journey here at the end, but I really want to dive in initially to this whole health thing. And where I want to start is here. We we know about all of, you know, the healthcare disparities and, and all the things that happen and how even in medical school now, we still have these things about, you know, women, oh, you're just being, you know, dramatic or people of color, in particular Black people, y'all don't feel pain as much, right? Your skin is thicker, all that madness that we know is not true. But we have to be our own advocates. So Dr. Twary, I'm going to start with you, especially because you've got family medicine and you're seeing kind of the gamut of patients. What is one of the key things that you would like to tell people to do when they go to a physician the first time and are trying to start developing that relationship and have something going on that they need to talk about? Um, Sure. So there's a couple of things. One of the things that I think is really important is knowing your history, right? Mm -hmm. So your medical history is one thing. What exactly did the doctor diagnose you with? Because Mm -hmm. if we have some of that information as a background, it helps us to be able to take better care of you. Not just Mm -hmm. that, but what actually is the name of the medication that you're taking? So patients will come in and be like, well, it's a blue pill. Well, the doctor doesn't know the blue pill. (laughs) You know, the doctor needs to know the name of the pill. Is this a blood pressure medication? Is it lisinopril? Something to that effect. Because 
some of the things that can happen is if we prescribe one thing and you didn't tell us about another medicine that you're taking, mm-hmm. sometimes there's a possible interaction. And so then they'll be yes. like, oh my God, that doctor tried to kill me. They gave me something that I didn't agree with me, but you didn't give the doctor the information. So knowing your nope. history is really important. And that includes family history as well, because that helps mm-hmm. us to know how to check for certain things in you or if we should start checking earlier or whatnot. So if there's a family history of breast cancer, we're going to screen for breast mm-hmm. cancer earlier. If there's a family history right. of prostate cancer, but if you don't have any clue, how did grandma die? I don't know. She was old. Well, that doesn't help right. us to be able to take That's better good. care of you. No. So I think one of the right. big things is just history. History is so important when you're coming into your doctor's office to meet them for the first time. And it allows mm-hmm. them to kind of get to know you on a better you know, platform and scale and to yeah. really know, like, how do I dive into this person and how do I make sure that I'm taking the best care of them? So history mm-hmm. is important. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And that and that actually is a really great lead in because, you know, Ken, you talk a lot about that doctor-patient bond and building that relationship. Right. And so many times, especially older patients, right? I remember grandma, yeah. I, she would go to the doctor as she got older. And I'm like, well, what'd he say? I don't know. What, what right. do you mean you don't know? Building that relationship, how do, you, how do you tell people to do that? Ask the questions, right? Well, absolutely. And look, as I as I tell everyone out there, they're listening, make sure that when you're going to your doctor's visit, that it is actually a proactive visit. In other words, you don't just go because you have an appointment. I want you to have a plan, a strategy. What do you want to come from that visit? And when you get there to that yeah. doctor, there's four things you should be making sure that there's trust, respect, empathy, and communication for that to really be mm. your doctor. It's important because when you look at the data and the research, you get about seven and a half minutes with your doctor, seven and a half mm-hmm. minutes. And in that little bit of time, I don't know how I can find out how is your daughter's wedding? How how are you doing <laughs> at the new job? That sort of yeah. thing. So as you're getting there to really getting that patient doctor bond, I need you to feel very proud, number one, to be there. Number one, you paid your copay, so you deserve right. your time. And make sure you go there and say, look, I'm important. I need you here with me at this moment and make sure Mm -hmm. that, you know, your visit to the doctor is your birthright. You're here to stay healthy. And so I'm really big on making sure that that bond is actually really put there and made sure how special it is, especially nowadays. You know, one Mm -hmm. of the things that's interesting is that COVID kind of shown this big light on this healthcare disparity stuff, right? It's like, it ain't new to me, maybe y'all, but I know that it's out there. Um, in the brown and black community in particular. So that's why that patient-doctor bond has been so, so important to really kind of touch on when we need to make sure that we deserve the best, each and every one of you out there. Right. Absolutely. I'm going to carry just a little bit from Dr. Ken, just because my practice is different. Um, And the reason why I open more of a concierge practice is because of that time, Uh, because in our traditional healthcare system. He's right. right. It's just not enough time to do all that we we need to do and all that Mm -hmm. you as a patient really deserves um, for us to have that time with you and to get to know you better because we can take better care of you. Um, And so sometimes just thinking outside of the box, sometimes you may have to do things differently, especially if you're someone uh, with a lot of, you know, complex health problems. Um, You're someone who, you know, may need to see the, the doctor uh, a little bit more, 
than others, then you probably do want to look for a more of a concierge service mm-hmm. where uh, mm-hmm. a doctor may have the type of schedule where they can allow more time for you to be able to sit mm-hmm. down more with that. Um, another thing, like Dr. Tori said, bring your bag of medicines. Don't don't be ashamed. Um, I would love for you to have every yes. one of those bottles and we'll lay it out over yes. the counter and get them in correctly versus yes. you trying to guess what you're wrong. Yes. <laughs> so just bring the bag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, and if you don't feel like bringing the bag, everybody's got a camera. Right. Or take a picture of everything yeah. and bring it yeah. with you. Yeah. Exactly. Our list. Right. Write it down. Just yes. the names and Something. the number next to it so we know the amount. You, yes. Yes. You know what else, too? Something else that you mentioned before. Yeah. One thing you mentioned before, Laurel. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry. I don't know if it was you, Tori, who mentioned coming in and, and figuring out um, does someone remember their meds? Yeah. You know, the studies show that. When patients leave the doctor's office, they usually forget 80% mm-hmm. of what they heard. Yes. And of the 20% they do remember, guess what? Half yes. of it's wrong. Yes. So yes. that's why it's really important to make sure that you kind of bring someone with you to the visit and so forth. Yes. Um, also, once again, making sure that it's a real proactive right. business. Yeah. Or even in today's world, you can you can do FaceTime. Yeah. I mean, my husband, he's not medical and yes. sometimes he's had to take our kids for their checkups. He'll FaceTime me in and be like, look, did they answer all yeah. the questions you had. Yes. Well, and that, Dr. Shayla, I think leads to, to that, that next question, which is, you know, how do you determine, right? If you're going to bring somebody with you, because I'm big on asking lots of questions. And if you don't think you're going to be able to ask the questions to bring somebody with you, how do you feel or how do you make, make patients feel that it's okay? And in some cases, it is necessary to have an advocate with you to be asking questions because there's a whole HIPAA thing. Right. Should I even have anybody with me? How do you help patients work through yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So first, if you know, if a patient comes in with someone, um, and I, mm-hmm. you know, definitely do this more with my my team patients. I, I first ask, yes. do you feel comfortable with who's in the room? Is there anybody we should excuse mm-hmm. from the room? Um, and you know, once yeah. you determine their comfort level, uh, then you can go into that. And then if they're you know an older patient and they have a caregiver. A lot of times caregivers are very mm-hmm. helpful um, too. Uh, mm-hmm. And so just really inviting them to have that conversation. Like I said, my practice is a little different, so I have time for that, but I do understand the stress mm-hmm. from when I was mm-hmm. in a traditional model where you, it, it was right. hard to, yes. to fit in that time. And a lot of times, yeah, you would have, you know, sometimes it would be helpful if the caregiver would send their questions beforehand um, so that you can, mm-hmm. you know, preface it with that and you can already hit those high notes um as to what's been mm-hmm. going on uh that way too but you know I, I definitely welcome if a person has an advocate that they can bring um another thing that i would do mm-hmm. a lot of times too if it's somebody who i, I know they're probably not gonna remember what i'm saying is i'll write it down for them and say you know one two yes. and three one we're going to increase your loss in april to 20 but so that they know mm-hmm. you know walking out of the door they mm-hmm. got their little piece of paper that they can look at and go from that Right. Because not all pharmacists will catch everything, too, because sometimes you got to go to a compounding. It's not going to have everything else that you're taking. And, you know, maybe Walgreens Mm -hmm. has it, but this time you have to go to CVS and not. You can't always count on the pharmacist Mm -hmm. to catch everything either. So it's like I call it my village. Right. Mm -hmm. My not internist works with my gynecologist, works with my therapist, where everybody knows all the stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's helpful too, to, right. you know, sign a release so that your doctors can communicate with yeah. each other and have all the information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I 
I was well, going to add a little something um, to what uh, Dr. Shayla was saying mm-hmm. is that also know your person. And what I mean by that yeah. is identify someone that you actually do trust with your health care. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. sometimes family members um, will come and they may not understand everything, but feeling safe enough to bring somebody and uh-huh. identify who it is, because that person may need to help make some health decisions for you. If for some mm-hmm. reason you can't speak for yourself. So mm-hmm. let's say you need emergency surgery. If nobody knows what you're allergic to, they can't tell oh, yes. those doctors that information. Right. Or let's yes. say you were in a car accident. Mm-hmm. If there is mm-hmm. no one who really knows your medical history and you are unconscious and couldn't speak for yourself, you know, right. there needs to be a person identified. Mm-hmm. And there are times I do work in a traditional practice. So time is limited for me, mm-hmm. but my patients will mm-hmm. tell you, will spend that time. Now, with that being said, there is a wait. You know, you're not going to come in and always be seen exactly on time, but that is the type mm-hmm. of doctor I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but that means I spend the same amount of time with you. And what I yeah. do see sometimes is families get so busy, they might have to drop mom off and come back and pick mom up because they have to run errands. Right. A mom isn't very aware yes. of the yeah. medicine she takes, of everything that's going on, yeah. or able to really answer the questions. And so sometimes the doctor is stuck and they're like, What what are you here yeah. for? You know, the appointment, right. the person's like, I don't know. <laughs> and then the doctor sitting there looking at them like, okay, well, can I help you? Like, look, I got stuff to do. Are you trying to sift through that chart to see, you know, what might yeah. may have going on? <laughs> right. And it, it, it isn't beneficial for the patient. It isn't beneficial yeah. for that time that they're receiving from the doctor. So to families, if you do have someone who you know that they may not remember, or they kind of mm-hmm. struggle, or they're not really good about taking care of themselves, come with them. Right. Be that advocate, take that 30 minutes for that doctor's visit and really carve that time out so you really understand what's going on with them. And right. then for other people, you just never know what is going to happen. So there should always be someone who knows your history. When I went into the hospital yeah. to deliver my baby, I went over my history with my husband. If something mm-hmm. should happen, if I can't talk, mm-hmm. I have any allergies, these right. are the things I'm taking, this is what has happened during the pregnancy, you know, anything yeah. so that they can speak for you. So, and they can learn to be an advocate for you because unfortunately, right. being in the hospital, things may happen, you know, emergencies may happen. And if you don't yes. have that spouse or family member or trusted person who really knows how to speak up for you and can answer those questions. Sometimes mm-hmm. people go wrong because of that. So identify someone yes. who does know your medical history. For older people, if you have a living will or advanced directive, make sure they know at least where you keep it so that if an emergency mm-hmm. happens, they can still speak for your wishes. So I just wanted to ask. Right. That is so important because, and she may Man. kill me. I don't see her on here. I see Claudia. Hey, Claudia. You know, to, to go ahead, Ken. No, what I was okay. going to say there, Laura, and to what Tori was saying, as far as having, as far as having living will and that sort of thing, one of the things I always have all my patients do is to make sure that when they see me, we have their EKG, that they kind of fold that up and put that mm-hmm. in their wallet, or even take a picture of it on their phone. Because look, number one cause mm-hmm. of death worldwide right. Right, is heart disease. And so it's important for us to know what mm-hmm. the baseline is and that sort of thing. So to your point, Tori, when you were talking about your living will and having that kind of information, those sort of things, those sort of techniques can literally yes. save your life to make sure that, oh, that EKG isn't as bad as it looks. You've had it before. Right. It's okay. It's all right. good. 
you know, some of those things are important so that there's not interventions done and that sort of thing. So as you talk about, once again, as I say that strategy and some of those things like bringing a relative or someone, especially if you're right. older, those things are all key. And I, and, and honestly, life-saving. Yeah. Yes. And one you know, and small. I'm sorry, go ahead, yeah. Shayla. Yeah. One other just small tip, if people haven't thought about it, get a Dropbox or Google Drive. Um, those things are easily transferable. You can keep your, mm -hmm. your records in there. You can give That's access to a family member. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it's a, a quick and easy way to, to share those things. You can have your list yes. of medicines there, your last lab results, whatever, um, in your own little right. drive there too, that you can share with a family member. That's a great idea. And, and I, I cannot say enough guys for, for having somebody with you, and especially, you know, if you're like me, I mean, I'm single, my brother's here visiting me this weekend. Right. And I love having him here, but I'm single. I don't have anybody here that is, that is family that is here living with me. And if something major happens, I've got some really good friends who are on my emergency call, but they don't necessarily have all of my medical detail. And I remember, and I was going to say, she, she liable to kill me, but I'm, I'm going to say it anyway. I remember um, when my mom had some surgery, was in the hospital and just coming out of anesthesia, right? The, the nurse practitioner came in and she had, she had gotten, she woke up enough to say, Hey, you know, when are they going to give me my meds? And then she went back to sleep. And now my mom is a surgical nurse. She's a retired surgical nurse. So she is not ignorant around, you know, medical things. And I remember the, the nurse practitioner came in and said, and I said, Hey, you know, she fell back asleep now, but she was just wondering about her meds. And she said, Oh, well, we'll give her, we'll, we'll when she gets, wakes up, we'll give her her insulin and then we'll, and I said, my mother doesn't take insulin. Oh yes, she does. I'm like, she absolutely does not. She absolutely does not. What are you talking about? No, no, no. Do you know, I didn't see that person again. And I'm so glad that I was there because think about if they had yeah. actually read the yeah. chart before they just decided they were going to do that. So please, if you are listening to this show and listening to the replay, listening on YouTube, please make sure that you are paying attention to what you need and having an advocate for you, especially if you go in the hospital and you're going to yeah. be under anesthesia, you're not going to be lucid. Make sure you have somebody who is with you, who is paying attention to that stuff, because even the best intentions can have a horrendous impact if people just don't know and are moving too quickly. So please, please take that, that advice from the doctor. So, so let's let's shift a little bit from kind of the advocacy and 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 really thinking about what you do for yourself to what we can do as patients to take our own health in our own hands. So we all know, you know, with COVID and the stress and return to work, don't return to work. I mean, just all the drama that's going on, not to mention all the other societal things that are happening. Stress has become a really big issue. And I think all of the studies that we know now know how truly impactful, really heavy stress is, not only your cardiovascular system, on your nervous system, I mean, all the things, right? So, you know, I'll mm -hmm. start with you, Dr. Shayla, because you really do focus on kind of this plant-based nutrition and really getting people to think differently about what it means to feed your body. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you tell your patients and help your patients work through to be their own like cheerleaders for their own health? So they see you maybe once a year or once every six months, as opposed to trying to get in to see you every month. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so first off, I just encourage, you know, and I, I, I kind of jokingly said this at the beginning, but first of yeah. everybody needs a primary care doctor. 
Um, you know, I would tell yes. you, it's been countless times where I've seen patients. Yeah. You're know, like, well, when the last time, you know, you saw a doctor? When did you have a PCP? Oh, I haven't seen one in like 10 years. Well, now, you know, you've got a lot of things yeah. that could have been prevented. <laughs> On the front end, um, had you had a primary care doctor and had you been seeing that doctor at least once a year, go get a checkup, you know, even if you feel great. There's no there is no harm in going yes. to get a checkup, getting some baseline labs done um, just so you know your status, you know, uh, high blood pressure. Yes. Call a silent killer for a reason, um, because a lot of times you don't know your blood yes. pressure is high. So, you know, it's worth it to have a primary mm-hmm. care doctor and get in a checkup at least once a year. Um, some other things that you mm-hmm. little Walgreen things to test your blood pressure at home. Put it on your wrist, just just add it. Test it every once in a while just to know. <laughs> just so- right, right. Yeah, just know something. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, really when it comes to you taking charge of your health, um, I see it as, as threefold. Um, and this is a lot of what I, I mm-hmm. teach uh, within my, my coaching program. Uh, but really it, it focuses on nutrition, intentional movement, and then our mental health. Uh, so nutrition, what we put mm-hmm. in our mouth, what we put on our plate, um, you know, uh, plain and simple. If we eat crap, we're going to feel like crap. Um, and so we, yes. we really have to be mindful of that um, and have to make healthy choices, uh, making sure we're putting some plants on our plate. Um, movement, we do mm-hmm. have to get up and move. Uh, you know, one thing with COVID, a lot of us were home um, and a lot of people, you know, sat yes. home, they were scared to go outside. They were scared to go to the gym. Um, and so that lack of movement actually leads to chronic disease. Uh, so you do have to be mindful mm-hmm. and add some movement um, into your days and into your week. And then the other part to that is mental health. Uh, stress uh, stress can present in a number of ways. Stress can present as physical symptoms, uh, mental, emotional symptoms, uh, and stress can lead mm-hmm. to heart disease, as Dr. Ken said, number one cause of yeah. death. Um, so you want to make sure that you're keeping your, your mental health uh, healthy and intact, and you've got some mindset mm-hmm. strategies and stress management mm-hmm. strategies. So really, you know, if you just start with those, as, as simple as it sounds, but just really yeah. putting those into action, um, you can begin to take yeah. charge yes. of your own health that way. Well, and I think we, we, your point is so well taken in that you don't have to swing the pendulum all the way over to the other side. Baby steps, yeah. right? If you don't eat vegetables at all, ever, add some broccoli. <laughs> Just start small, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Start small. You yeah. don't have to change everything overnight. And in fact, when you try to make those big swings, those are the kind of times that those, that, that habit doesn't stay, right? It's been too painful to make the change. So it's not necessarily sustainable, yeah. you know? And so I, I think we, we often, especially when we're like, oh my gosh, I got to lose, you know, 30 pounds. We go full bore yeah. and then we crash, crash diet and stuff. It. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Exactly, exactly, which can be worse. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, Ken, as you talk about, especially vitamin D, you talked a lot about vitamin D and supplements mm-hmm. and things that, and, and, and how important that is. So I, this is a little more scientific, but I, I say that <laughs> as a non-scientist. Yeah. So, I'm this question. so I personally have been taking vitamin D forever. I take a lot of vitamin D, right. but I was reading right. and talking to my internist. And so I'm, I'm in the doctor at least once a year, usually about every six months. I, I if it's oh, not good. working right, I want to know why. And I go ask right. somebody. Good, good. Go. You so should. I, right. I just, I'm, I'm a chicken. I want to know, right? Let me, let me at least do what I can do to keep from going out of here too soon. But, but we've been, I've been taking vitamin D for an extremely long time. And she was yeah. saying that actually there's starting to be more studies around do people, do black people in particular, people with darker skin, are those levels that we're trying to get to for vitamin D, 
Is that really what we're going after? Or is there some other thing around vitamin D that's really important for us? Because mine doesn't stay up. It just doesn't, right? So when you think about vitamin D and other supplements that, you know, they're kind of these standards, again, health disparities, there's kind of these standards. What are you seeing and kind of telling your patients around thinking through what does that mean for me as an individual? And maybe what's changing in the science for communities of color around some of those things that might have been standard before? No, that's a good point. So look, as, as we think about vitamin D, everyone, look, as we grow up, we're remembering vitamin D and 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 knowing about our, our bones and saying, you know, milk does the body good and all that sort of thing. But what we're realizing is that vitamin D is not just a bone story. It's actually an immune story, actually. Mm-hmm. Each and every one of our immune cells have a receptor where vitamin D nestles in perfectly because we know that vitamin D works with 2,000 of our genes and people of color are lower in vitamin D for a few mm. reasons. Number one, that beautiful melanin in our skin blocks right. out some of the sun's rays. So that mm-hmm. blocks it out a little bit. Not only that, our elderly. And during COVID times, we weren't getting out. So yes. that's why when you saw the numbers, who were more affected? African-Americans and Latinos second, right? For that similar yes. reason. And the elderly with that really make it even more exponential. Now, when we look at the vitamin D levels, when you go to your to your doctors, that's kind of the Western medicine. So I'm Western mm-hmm. medicine trained, but I also yes. have uh, Eastern ideals of practice and what I do. So when you look at those levels, everyone, that's the regular Eastern mm-hmm. stuff. But when you look deeper and kind of peel back the layers of the onion, you recognize that the best levels for us, um, for minorities in particular, tends to be between 40 and 60. Mm-hmm. When you look at the normal numbers, they say 30. But we realized that when we were around 40 to 60, our healthcare outcomes were better. Mm. People were having less time on the ventilator to help them breathe. People were coming back with less heart failure post-COVID. So a lot of the research started to show, gosh, you know, vitamin D does a lot more than we than we thought, knowing that 2,000 genes and 36 organs are affected mm-hmm. by vitamin D. So I talked to everyone about that 40 to 60. I take... 10,000 units a day. And even still, I'm only at 60. Now, yeah. once again, like Laurel said, look, talk to your doctor now right? before you start yes, taking all yes. this. <laughs> the highest thing off the shelf no, no, no. and start taking it. I, I've seen right? that go way back. Exactly. Everyone yeah. is different. I say that because usually the sweet spot tends to be around 5,000 international units. I just know because I check mine frequently and I know notice differences, good studies on vitamin D and a reduction of upper respiratory infections. So Mm. it's so nice to be able to to marry my Western degree with some Eastern ideals and other things that can also get us through this healing journey that we're all on. So when Mm -hmm. you think of vitamin D and and you're able to really talk to your your parents and now your your grandparents and everyone to say, you know, have you checked your vitamin D? I had a a kind of a campaign called Get On My Level. Mm. And the level was 40 to 60, because that's where I know that my folks are going to stay nice and healthy. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And and Dr. Tawari, we were actually talking, and I don't know if you want to bring it up on this or not, but we were talking about that same thing. Not everything is pharma as the response, right? Not everything Mm -hmm. is... What is, you know, Pfizer putting out? What is Bayer putting out? What are What is the big, big pharma putting out for you to take? Some of that other stuff is that we are finding is just as helpful, if not more so, along with, as Dr. Shayla was saying, move, right? Eat better, mm-hmm. 
Mind your mm-hmm. stress. Find a therapist, people, people of color. Find, find somebody yeah. to talk to, yeah. right? It is yeah. there is no shame in therapy. I've been in therapy forever. And I would don't would I know I wouldn't be here without my therapist. And it's now turned into a whole different relationship mm-hmm. around business and everything else. Go find somebody to talk to because that mental health is a big issue. So so Dr. Tuary, when you are working with your patients and you're thinking, you know, yes, we got these pharma solutions, but we've also got these other solutions that may be more supplement related or some of the other things that are coming up. How are you working with your patients through their options for responding to a health situation? Well, I think a couple of things to keep in mind is that a lot of Western medicine um, is based on plant-based things, right? And a lot of supplements, right? Mm. When we look at cholesterols and statins and there's supplements called red yeast rice, you know, and a lot of, you know, the reason we do the statins is based on some scientific data from other plant-based things. When you think about mm-hmm. history and our ancestors and our grandparents and our great grandparents and the herbs and things that they used to use, a lot of mm-hmm. the medicines now and appeals are based on those particular properties, right? Things that we use yeah. to kind of help certain um, diseases and conditions. So I think, A couple of things is patients need to bring everything that they're taking to the physician when they come Mm -hmm. to the office, you know, show what supplements you're taking, show what medications you're taking. There are some supplements that shouldn't be combined with the pills, that you're on, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you don't want to just be pulling everything off the counter or drinking every single cleanse that comes out because somebody <laughs> told you that this cleanse flushes <laughs> yeah. everything and it's going to cure the cancer. It's going to make my blood pressure. Um, in our community, I mean, you know, people will mix the cayenne pepper and things like that and then try to lose the weight. But then they're coming in talking about they have heartburn. And I'm like, yeah, because you just <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, so we kind of have to make sure that we're talking with the physician about everything that we're taking. And it's not that physicians are always going to take you off of some of those things, because like Dr. Ken said, vitamin D, man, it made a a huge impact on who was in the ICU during COVID, who was hospitalized during COVID, who was dying of COVID when COVID first hit with those vitamin D deficiencies. They saw a lot of that during this pandemic. And I think before that, people weren't really focused on the vitamin, right? Right. But once the pandemic hit, it was like, oh, let me get my vitamin D. Right. Let me get my vitamin C. Let me start mm-hmm. taking some elderberry. So a lot of those right. things. Were, and, and there was scientific data to all of that, you know, yeah. have utilizing those things shorten the course of the disease or the severity of the disease or help you get yeah. over that hump a bit easier and prevent right. you from being in the hospital. So it's not just the medications and the pills. The other mm-hmm. part of that is doing the work beforehand, right? So when Dr. Shayla was talking about movement, you know, you can't be living a sedentary life Mm -hmm. and think that you're not going to get sick or be able to fight these infections. If you're out, if you're walking daily, going for a run, swimming, playing basketball, whatever your choice of action is, Mm -hmm. that's also going to help your immune system. So you really do want to get out and move. And don't expect Mm -hmm. these conditions to go away when you're not doing anything to help it. So a lot of people come there like, oh, doc, I don't want to be on medicine. Once you start on medicine, you're on it forever. Well, that could be if you don't make any lifestyle changes. So either you're going to change your diet, you're going to lose weight, you're going to eat healthy, you're going to exercise, or you might be doomed to be on this pill forever because you're not doing anything else to make those changes. Um, And then I also wanted to hit on mental health because my practice, you know, um, they say 
you know, that that saying, if you build it, they will come. Well, what has come to my practice is a large amount of black women because mm. we seek, you know, people who look like us and who can relate mm-hmm. to us and who can understand mm-hmm. culture and what we eat and why we eat it and why grandma cooked this way. So if yes. I never cook collard greens before. I don't understand how to tell that patient, maybe the ham hock shouldn't be there, but maybe substitute it with turkey, you know, instead. Yes. Culturally, I understand like what my culture eats. But also mm-hmm. with this big population of African-American women that I care for, the one thing that I always see as a theme is trying to be superwoman. We try to do yes. it all. And not just African-American women, but I think women in general, because, mm-hmm. you know, beforehand in previous generations, the woman stayed home. She took care of the kids. But mm-hmm. now we have a working class woman, you know, so she's yes. not only taking care of the kids and being a wife, but she's also going to work on a daily basis. And what tends mm-hmm. to happen, women have this yeah. innate nature to take care right. of them. Everybody, and then yeah. they forget about themselves. And what mm-hmm. ends up happening is not realizing that Superwoman is not real. And right. there are certain th- you can't right. do everything mm-hmm. for everybody and leave yourself, mm-hmm. you know, to be the person who doesn't really have the care being taken care of, not seeing the doctor. And we're trying to carry everybody else's weight on our shoulders. We try to take care of the kids and make sure the husband is okay, make sure our parents are okay. And that's, you know, kind right. of a generational thing as well. But mental health is so important. So making sure that you do have a break making sure that you do mm-hmm. self-care. Mm-hmm. And it is so important for our community not to downplay a, a counselor yes. or even if medication is needed. Mm-hmm. The thing I always tell people yes. is we like to take care of from the neck down. If you had a sore throat, mm-hmm. no one ever tells you what's wrong with you that you had to go to the doctor to get antibiotics. You should be able to fight right. that on your own, right? We don't ever say that right. to people. If you were diagnosed with cancer, we don't say, oh, you should be able to do that naturally. Don't go get the chemo mm-hmm. or the radiation or see the cancer specialist. You should be able to fight that off on your own. But for whatever reason, when it comes to feeling anxious or feeling stressed or feeling mm-hmm. depressed, it's like I'm weak if I can't fight this on my own. You know, right. So we have mm-hmm. to make it a norm to be able to say it is okay. Just like I go to the doctor and get that antibiotic for strep throat, or just like I see the cancer specialist to treat my breast cancer, that it is also okay to treat what hormones and what imbalances are going on up here because of that stress. So treating anxiety is important because it does affect your health. Treating depression is important because it does affect your Mm -hmm. health. So making sure that you do seek the help. And I keep a list of counselors in my office. It is printed out on a piece of paper and I hand it out. It has a contact number, you know, it has the name and because I want to encourage women to also take care of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Cause we, you know, it's so easy for us to say, babe, you just need Jesus. Well, I do. Mm. And I need that therapist. Right. Right. But Jesus also <laughs> gave us psychiatrists. <laughs> right. Jesus gave us therapists. Jesus gave us Prozac. Okay. Um, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Jesus, Jesus had a group that he also counseled with, right? That's where the disciples came to. You know, Jesus right. also yeah. dealt with depression. That's why we read Jesus wept. Right. You know, yeah. Jesus' friend yeah. Lazarus died and people was blaming him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he cried when his friend Lazarus died. So, like, yeah. he walked this earth and had to experience these emotions, yeah. but he did keep counsel yeah. around. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And so yeah. we also have to realize you know, that we need and- to keep counsel around, yeah. too. We do. 
We do. And look, as you guys are both mentioning, or everybody's mentioning Jesus on this podcast here, as we're talking about that, Dr. Shiller, when you mentioned before the nutrition, the movement, the third part that I always say, just like that, I said, Dr. Shiller does it too. And the third thing I always mention is spirituality. Yeah. So spirituality is that other part too. Um, it could be praying with the patient. It could mm-hmm. be meditation. It can be Tai Chi, but all of that is to feel that healing piece. And when you mentioned to our before about African-American women, you know, there's a, there's a syndrome called weathering. Weathering was really seen throughout COVID, especially in African-American women who were already dealing with the brunt of, you know, racism, institutional racism and so forth. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. also dealing with the COVID pandemic. And just like you leave a bike outside when you're a little kid and it's just weathering and raining and it just gets rusty and broken down. That's what happened to our to our to our black female during this time and very, very difficult. So now you're seeing all the yeah. depression, just like you guys. I'm seeing more of depression and anxiety that's being more spoken about, especially mm-hmm. in our community, which yeah. has been very taboo right. to talk about that. Um, and now it's like we're we're kind of unearthing something very beautiful for yes. us to be able to come on and say, yeah. you know, it's all good. Right. It's okay. I'm so glad. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and we talk about health disparities. Well, chronic stress has Mm -hmm. been identified as a cause of preventable health conditions in people of color. Uh, Because, you know, we we have uh, lower socioeconomic status in general. Uh, We don't always Mm -hmm. have safe green spaces to be able to get uh, physical activity, uh, oppression, you know, police brutality. All of these things Mm -hmm. contribute to chronic stress, Mm -hmm. which in turn puts people of color at higher risk for high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, these conditions. So it is important for us to keep that in mind and keep our mental health uh, as a priority mm-hmm. as a part of that. Right. It is. And lots of times I don't even say the word. I always call it all my patients will joke around because I call it the S word. Right. Cause I feel if I say the word stress, it gives it too much right. power. So I'm like, y'all don't give me that S word in here. Don't, don't start that in here. And so <laughs> we make sure that it's, it's front facing. Um, that we know what it could be, but we're not going to yeah. give it any any power. But you're right. It, it, it leads to so many different disease states that we're familiar with, right. even down to yeah. infertility. Yes. Um, I think uh, when you ladies see. Um, yeah. So all those things are important when it comes to the S word. Yes. And just making sure that we call it out. Right. Well, and, and as we as we think about that, and I just want to let um, let folks know if you have you know, a question, definitely, you know, raise your hand, that kind of thing. Come, you know, come on up on the stage. Um, I. As I'm listening to all of you guys and I'm thinking about, you know, all, all of the things that everyone has been dealing with through COVID, right? It's just been, it's been crazy for everybody. And as we're co- theoretically coming, coming out, whatever that means, because I'm still masking up, y'all. I don't know if that I'll ever fly again without yeah. a mask, but that may just be me. Um, but I, I want to get back to this, this health disparities issue and and advocacy right you're are owning our own advocacy when we don't see or can't get to a doctor who looks like us be that gender or race you know ethnicity um if we can't find one or you know we just go to the first person we get to or there's not one in our network or whatever it is what are and i want each of you to answer this because i think it's really important for your for, from your perspectives what does a what can a patient do when they're not being heard by a physician, right? What can they do? And and I think that more often happens 
when there is that kind of disconnect, either a gender or race or ethnic disconnect, that that unconscious bias around the patient's real pain or real concern. What can a patient do to truly advocate for being heard? And I'll I'll start with you, Tawari. Um, I mean, to be honest, if you feel unheard, it just may not be the right match for you. So it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that you have to um throw a hissy fit in the office or whatnot, but just seek a second opinion. You know, um, mm-hmm. it may, if I'm having abdominal pain and I just don't feel like I'm getting the right answer or that the doctor isn't hearing me or paying attention, you have the right to see another doctor. Your insurance doesn't mm-hmm. limit you to just that one. So even if you can't mm-hmm. find someone who looks like you, and statistics do show that no matter what culture, when you see someone mm-hmm. who, is culturally more aware, who looks like you, who's part of your culture, you actually do have better health outcomes. So it's mm-hmm. not just for mm-hmm. African-Americans, but it's just for culture in general. It's not a racist thing or right. a racism thing, but it's just what the outcomes mm-hmm. look like because I'm better able to understand you or understand some mm-hmm. of the things that you might be saying. You know, for instance, right. um, I don't speak Spanish, right? So there mm-hmm. may be some things lost in translation, even when one of my employees may translate for me. But if they saw a doctor who actually spoke Spanish, sometimes they're better able to understand what they're trying to say. And it's not that um, a lot of doctors aren't trying to hear you. Um, It kind of goes back to what Ken says. They have seven minutes, seven minutes. Mm -hmm. That's it. Your 20 minute visit is really not 20. It starts from the time you walk Mm -hmm. in the door. If you have an eight o'clock appointment, you do not see that doctor exactly at eight o'clock. You're checking in, Mm -hmm. insurance is being verified, the nurse has to bring you to the back, check your blood pressure, and then you get to the doctor. So the doctor may just be trying to distinguish what's the most important. So yes, you could come in Mm -hmm. here and you could tell me that your toenail is thick and you do not like this toenail and you want it to be treated and the doctor is just not listening to me. But if your blood pressure is 180 over 100, I am not paying attention to your toenail. Right. Mm -hmm. And you also (laughs) have to understand That there is going to be a set of priorities because at the end of the day, when people go into medicine, they do really truly want to go into medicine to help. Right. And they're going into medicine because this is not an easy path to take. There's plenty of things that you can go into that you will make more money and work way less than what we are doing. So -hmm. you really have to have the love for it. But you also have to understand that if you had a 20 year span of not seeing a doctor, everything wrong with you will not be fixed in that one seven minute visit. But what they are going to do is prioritize your blood pressure is high. Your blood pressure is this high. You can walk out this door and have a stroke Mm -hmm. or a heart attack or die. So what I am going to focus on is this blood pressure. But don't worry. You can come back and we can knock off and tackle some of these other things. But, you know, you also have to try to see if you can communicate really well, be on the same page with the physician. And then there are going to be times where you are just not heard. Health disparities are there. There are biases that are out there. And if you're not heard, find someone that will hear you. And it may be a trial. I might have to go visit this doctor and see if I like it, get recommendations. There's a Facebook group that a lot of people, a lot of women in my community are Mm -hmm. in, and they're like the moms of Mm -hmm. this area. What they put Mm -hmm. in recommendations. They, you will have a, a plethora great. of people come to you based on that Facebook group, or you will have a plethora of people avoid you based on that Facebook group. Right. So, you know, word of mouth right. also works. So ask somebody else, do you like your doctor? 
would you recommend this doctor? Mm -hmm. And then try to find another mm -hmm. doctor to go to. So, you know, you can be an advocate and sometimes you just kind of have to right. say, this isn't the right match for me. It's Doctors are human. We yeah. all may not mesh. Right. You know, our personalities right. may not click. Doesn't mean that that's a bad doctor, but it's just not the right one for you. Yes. Yeah. You know, I think on... You know, as I as I think about that on, on my end, so as you look at the data and the research, everyone, when you look at African-American doctors in the United States, it's 5%. And when you look at African-American males, we're only 2% and some change. Our sisters, are they like leaving <laughs> us behind. And so that already is a challenge to sometimes get to, which is a good thing. So that's a challenge sometimes to get someone that necessarily looks like you. So when you actually go to the doctor and you don't find that fit, number one, like Tori said, you know, sometimes as beautiful humans as we are, sometimes it doesn't always sync up. But there are some things you can do. Number one, you could do what I joke around with patients. Luckily, I'm like you, Dr. Shelley, that I'm a concierge physician. So we have as much time as necessary. But some of my people who are all around the U.S., you could do some things like kind of have your coming to Jesus moment and just say, you know what, doc? And a lot of patients don't feel so comfortable kind of, I don't want to say confronting the doc, but just saying, you know what? Can you hold on from looking in the electronic medical record just for a hot second so we can mm -hmm. talk this kind of out of mm -hmm. eye? Is that cool? And actually having that discussion. Because you'd be surprised. Some of these doctors you think you're not meshing and vibing with, they may not always get yeah. it. Look, we're mad busy. Sometimes we get in our own world. Yeah. And sometimes we may need you to kind of tap us on the shoulder and say, wake up, bro. Yeah. We need to talk. I, would, I really would love to have yeah. a better connection mm -hmm. with you. The other thing I do is another little secret, at least when I was more like you were doing, Tari, with the different sort of practices, try to get that first visit of the day. Number one, the doctor is there. We're bright eyed and bushy tailed. We're not mad, <laughs> S worded out from the way. Our day has kind of gone. Um, so that way you get me and get us at our freshest moment. And the last but not least, if it's like a 30 minute visit, get smart, get cool with the medical assistant and make a 60 minute right. visit so that we have no choice but to hear what we have to say, depending on how your how their system is set up or how they um, do their visits. But in other words, I just mean a longer slot of time if you know you're someone who likes to kind of have a little bit of discussion. Mm -hmm. For my millennials, it's different. Millennials are like, Doc, I ain't got time for this, man. Just text me. Right? <laughs> and I'll do it exactly. <laughs> Just email me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so the key there is know who you are yeah. before you meet that doc. Does this person seem like they're going to give you the, the bums rush or the short shrift? Or are they look like they're going to actually sit down and give you some eye to eye? So it's back to that proactive yeah. visiting. I love that. And I will, yeah, I will add to that and say, do some research on your own. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm definitely not one of those doctors mm -hmm. that say, hey, you know what you're talking about. You know, I appreciate it. if you've done some reading. Let's talk about it. Bring the article you saw. You know, I mm -hmm. like to look at it, too. <laughs> you know, and let's, let's right? look yeah. at it together yeah. see if there's any validity to it, you know, um, and let's figure it out that way. So you you are welcome to do some research on your own. Google has come a long way. You know, we can find a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, everything you find on Google is not going to be true. So do have a good relationship. Relationship right. with your doctor, you know, someone yes. that you trust so that they can decipher the Google fact versus fiction for you. Um, but it doesn't hurt for yes. you to have done some of that uh, research. Um, and then 
you know, the other part, like we talked about before, is just having have an advocate. So, you know, if there is a family or a friend that you can, you know, reach out to, they're mm -hmm. a nurse or somebody knows somebody, have an advocate, mm -hmm. ask somebody else um, about it yes. too. And then if you do have a doctor that's more in the traditional system, make several appointments. You know, I've had even my own yeah. family members, they'll be whining and complain, oh, that doctor only spent five minutes and they didn't even get to what I wanted to talk about. And I'm like, well, you know, you do got diabetes. They had to handle that, you know, first. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Talk about, you know, your fingernails or your, your wrist pain or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, but schedule another appointment. Don't wait, you know, go every six months and then you want them to see you for 12 things because it's, it's just yeah. not going to happen that way. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, and I, you, think I don't I would, have a problem calling. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I would just add to what Shayla was saying about scheduling another appointment. So mm -hmm. you're going to have to invest in your mm -hmm. health, right? And so I think yes. one of the limiting factors for people is they're like, well, they just going to make some more money because they're going to charge me another copay. Well, you know, your copay is $25. <laughs> the doctor isn't going to get rich, you know, um, on that copay. But it allows you more time and you're going to have to make that investment in something. So even if it means yes. I have to see you monthly until this is under control, schedule those follow-up yes. appointments because you want mm -hmm. to close that chapter. You do want the answer to your questions, but it is going to require mm -hmm. some time because the doctor may not be able, there are some things they might be able to figure out in that seven minute slide, you know, or that 15 minute mm -hmm. slide or whatnot. But then there are some things that don't have a quick answer to it. So when you come in and you say, right. you know, doc, I've just been really tired. There are so many things that can contribute to you being right. tired that that doctor will need to work right. on. Are you anemic? Is it your vitamin D? Mm -hmm. Is it because right. your diabetes isn't well controlled? Is it that mental health and that anxiety? Mm -hmm. Or is it lack of sleep? Do you have sleep apnea? I mean, there's so many possibilities mm -hmm. for you feeling tired. So you're going to have to give right. that doctor some time to kind of work through those things and figure out. And so that right. way you have an answer and you're satisfied, but it will require multiple visits. So just keep that in mind that not everything is going to be right. one visit, but be willing to invest that time because it, at the end of the day, it's not you investing in a doctor. It's really you investing in you and your health. Mm -hmm. Ding, 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 ding. That's important. We had one question that came through that said, you know, for those who are really seeking that help with mental health, but they don't have insurance, like their insurance doesn't cover any kind of mental health visit or anything. What do you guys tend to recommend for your patients who, you know, really may be seeking some kind of counsel, but don't have the kind of coverage for that? Do you guys have any tips for now, that? They can, now, mm -hmm. if, um, if, if it's, I always say start with your primary care doctor because you're, you know, mm -hmm. if you're doctor, your primary care doctor, family doctors and internal medicine doctors, we have training in psychiatry too. We, we you know, we do yeah. a, a, mm -hmm. a good amount of that as part of our residency training. So mm -hmm. we're able to treat right. basic mm -hmm. depression, mm -hmm. anxiety. Um, so start mm -hmm. there. Right. So if you have right. a primary care doctor, start mm -hmm. there. There are some things they can do. Um, and then, you know, if you are looking for counseling services, there are several online <coughs> that you can um, team up mm -hmm. with. You know, better help, talk space. There are That's a lot true. of all better help and all that. Mm -hmm. Right. That you can seek out. But mm -hmm. then within your communities, um, you know, here in Chattanooga, uh, where I am, we do have um, volunteer behavioral health. And what it is, is it's a community health, mm -hmm. um, mental health service. 
And so they they do it on a mm-hmm. plotting scale. So if you're uninsured, you can go there and still get affordable mental right. health care that way. So, you right. know, and I'm sure most areas have that. So it's just, you know, knowing your resources. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that um, we kind of hit on that spirituality, but your church, right? Because your yes. your church space is a place where you can get some counseling as well. And then um, mm-hmm. that may help you to be able to utilize um, that space and to help to improve your symptoms because you're getting it from a spiritual standpoint, right. which is free, you know, right. like meeting with right. one of the ministers mm-hmm. or meeting with your pastor. Sometimes that is helpful. Um, if you are not a member of a church, you know, looking up some breathing exercises or some little things. I have um, patients who do like adult coloring, it, you know, just something to kind of take their mind off of that, like your mind can go mm-hmm. 20 miles a minute, right? If you are just kind of thinking about what's next, what else do I have to do? I got to clean, I got to cook, I got to do this, I got to get up, I got to go to work. Okay, what are the kids going to wear? You know, but something where you just can kind of block out some time for you. So it is whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you can enjoy. It's free to go to the park mm-hmm. and just walk, you know, it's free to meditate, you know, um, it's free to have Maybe there's a friend or a confidant, you know, that you usually talk to. Um, Mm -hmm. There's um, health departments, you know, that are locally Mm -hmm. that may have some resources. So a lot of Mm -hmm. it is Googling Mm -hmm. local resources and just seeing like local counseling resources. But, you know, your doctors, like Dr. Shayla said, um, are really going to also know other things in the community. And even if they can't, you know, be the person that is sitting there and counseling you for, Mm -hmm. A, you know, an hour time slide, they may have the resources that they can point you in that right direction. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. That's good. And I will I will say, um, because it's really important and we're talking about mental health, um, I'll just call it out for, for those who are watching live on, on YouTube as well or on the Fireside platform, as well as who will watch the replay. Um, please, if you are absolutely in crisis, 988, that is the new number. That's the emergency number for mental health. It's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, um, 988. So you don't have to remember the 800 number anymore, 988. So please, if you see something, say something. If you're in crisis, find a phone, 988, right? Go find somebody. So I just, I didn't want to miss that opportunity to remind people that that is there. Um, When that came out, I was just, I was really excited because it is, um, it, it is preventable if we can find ways um, for people to get help. So before we end, I know we're getting really close to the hour, but I did want to talk about this because it is it is Black History Month and I am talking to three amazing Black physicians. And so give us, I want each of you to kind of to give us, if you think about your medical journey, your journey through medical school and how you got to be here, I think to where you said, you know, people go to medical school really to make an impact and to help people and to help help, help health outcomes. So for each of you, Tell us, one, what made you decide to do medicine? What was the hardest thing you found? And then the last thing is, if for a kid who is thinking, you know, that this is what I really want to do, what is the one piece of advice that you would give them? So what made you decide, right? What was the hardest thing? And then what piece of advice would you give to somebody? So Dr. Shayla, I'll start with you. All right. Yeah, sure. And and we talked about this before, Laura. Yeah. yeah. So my, my road to medicine, you know, I, I've, I was one of those kids growing up. I always liked science. I always liked math and science. Uh, Dr. Tuary and I actually went to math and science high school together. 
but I did. And so, you know, for the longest though, I thought I wanted to do more like biomedical engineering or something of that nature. Um, I did a summer program and I found out I did not like engineering um, at all. Uh, you know, I didn't like, I didn't like drafting anything, drawing anything, none of that. Yeah. Um, and so I went on and tried out different things through college and I was a biology major um, because I did. I liked science and I knew that I wanted to do something in the science field. I did another summer program uh, in college uh, at Brown where it was more in medical research. Um, and there, you know, we had to do these studies on these mice. And, you know, I found out I don't like I don't like mice very well and I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, it was kind of like a, you know, right. we're gonna cross that out. We're gonna cross that out, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but you yeah, know, I, right. I, I knew that I had a love for the field, and I, and I did. I wanted to help people, and so yeah. you know, went to medical school. Um, and I'm an osteopathic physician. Uh, and the difference, uh, for you know, the audience, uh, with allopathic mm-hmm. versus osteopathic medicine is that we get a bit more training, um, in medical manipulation, uh, therapy, and so just looking at the body a little bit differently um, on top of general mm-hmm. medicine. Uh, but as part of my medical training, uh, a lot of our focus was within primary care. Um, and I recall, mm-hmm. you know, when we were doing rotations through medical school, my favorite rotation was family medicine. Uh, we actually were required mm-hmm. to do a rural family medicine rotation. Um, and so it was two hours away from any hospital. Uh, and so the things that I got to see there as a medical student, it just blew my mind how much this family doctor was doing, you know, um, they weren't just Mm -hmm. sitting there sending referrals out, you know, they were actually doing, you know, work every day, um, life-saving life, you know, changing type of, Mm -hmm. uh, treatment. And so that, that really drove me to, I wanted to get into family medicine, just seeing the, the vast amount of knowledge that you could gain in the field. Um, and how many mm-hmm. options you would have to be able to help people. Um, and, and that's been true. Yeah. You know, there, we as family doctors, we can do mm-hmm. so many things and we do, we help people just in a number of capacities that way. Um, and then the other part of your question about what's been the, the hardest part, uh, you know, it's, it's really mm-hmm. true about what they say is, is really one getting into medical school into those first couple of years of medical school. Um, because, you know, especially when you get into medical school, you have to think about typically the people that go to medical school, we're all top of the class kind of people, because you have to have that to get in, first of all. Yes. But then you've got, you know, 150 all top of the class students. Well, that's got to settle out some kind of way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden things are drastically, you know, more challenging than it was um, when you got there. And so it, it finally came to a point where I was like, dang, I really got to study. You know, I got to spend 12 hours in the library now. You know, I hadn't done that <laughs> before, yeah. you know. Yes. And so it was, but when you keep, it's about goal setting, you know, with anything in life. And when you have that goal on, as to what you really want to do and, you know, setting your eyes on that goal, um, you'll work hard for it and you'll, you'll feel better for it, you know, for getting yes. through that and knowing that you, yes. you can, we, we can do hard things. We, as a people can do hard things, um, and we can accomplish things, um, you know, and so really if I had to talk to, you know, some other younger person that was really interested in the medical
medical field, um, you know, the biggest piece of advice really is just to remember that, that you can do hard things. Things, it's not going to yeah. always come easy. You will have some challenges, but you can do it. Keep mm-hmm. your, your eyes focused. Um, just keep trying it and you can do it. You can accomplish it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Dr. Tuary, Ken, I'm going to have you go last. I'll get the women first. Well, my road to medicine, I think, started early. So um, my grandmother was a really big influence on me when it came to what I wanted to do. She would always tell me stories of her mother, who was the midwife in the area that they lived in because they were in a very rural community. And this was at a time where African-Americans couldn't go to the hospital and deliver babies. They had to deliver at home and a midwife would come to their home. And so her mother was the person who delivered all the African-American babies in their community. And so one thing that happened was my grandmother recognized that I was a really smart kid. And so she um, didn't graduate elementary school. Um, She ended up having to stop. Um, And so because of that, you know, she said, you know, I want you to be different than me. I want you to go on and I want Mm -hmm. you to go to school and I want you to do something big. So she would always encourage me. You're going to be my doctor. You're going to deliver babies. You're going to be my doctor. Thankfully, throughout my journey, there was always people who continued to encourage me. So from my teachers Mm -hmm. to my parents, my grandmother, and then my mom was very intentional about making sure that I saw people who were doing things that I wanted to do. And so she was very intentional that my, my pediatrician looked like me and my pediatrician was personable. And so as I grew up, the only doctor I knew was a pediatrician. So my goal was I'm going to be a pediatrician. Well, that changed in medical school because I became a family physician instead. And as I went through my different rotations, and that's the beauty of medical school is you get to try a little this and try a little that and see a little bit of this and see a little bit of that. And you also get to see who are going to be my colleagues. Do I fit in well with these people? Do I not really fit in well with these people? Do we have this common goal? And so what really spoke to me, family medicine was actually my last rotation before I had to make a decision. Mm. And like Shayla the doctor that I worked with, he did everything. He delivered babies. He took care of adults. He took care of children and he owned his own practice. And, you know, Mm. so crazy, but full circle, I went into family medicine, but I did an additional fellowship to be able to do my own C-sections. And so I also delivered Mm -hmm. babies. And then I got to a place where I own my own practice. And so my practice has kind of evolved. I do Botox and I do fillers. And the beauty of family medicine is I get to to do so much because I was trained in so much. So I get procedures, but the reason I love family medicine is because I really get to know the family. My patients are families. Mm -hmm. I see the husband, I see the wife, I see the children. And it's really how my practice has grown. It's a a fairly new practice. We just reached our three-year mark. And I really Mm -hmm. did not- Congratulations. Thank you. I didn't advertise at all. My patients were actually my advertisement. They were telling their families Mm -hmm. and they were telling their friends. And my name became a part of this Facebook group where people would just keep putting my name in there. And so thankfully, I went from a few patients who followed me from the university that I used to teach at and practice at and Mm -hmm. do those sessions at to over 1800 people for just me, you know, and that's been in three years. So um, one thing that Mm. I would tell the person who is interested in medicine is just to keep going and then to figure out what you love. Because if you really love it, even on those hard days, you're not going to quit. And and the other thing is we need you. We need more doctors. We need more people like you. We need my parents. I need to know that when they go and schedule an appointment, 
they paid to see a physician. They get to see a doctor, yes. you know, and okay. so, yes. you know, really go out there and go for it and you can do it. And if you need help, search for mentors, search for people who are doing exactly yes. what you want to do, because they are going to be your biggest advocate, but they'll also be able to help you. There are pointers that I can yeah. give people who are going into medical school because I was on the committee, the admissions committee. I know what we're looking for. Right. So when you're you're yeah. seeking those mentors, they're going to be able to give you those tips. This is how I did it. This is how I got there. So just keep going. I love it. I love it. Ken, we'll end with you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Look, this is um, and, and I'm sure for you, for you guys, too, this is uh, an, an emotional thing to kind of think of this journey. For me, it's been 20 years. I'm probably the <laughs> oldest. They look so dead yeah. young, but oh. Uh, but for me, this journey has been interesting because, look, a lot like Dr. Shayla and you too, Tori, I'm sure, I, you know, I was a science kid, um, the first doctor in my family. So I remember that I just love science. I wanted to, to go into veterinarian medicine because I love animals. Okay. I have six now. Yeah. Um, and so I always loved that. But then I started to just recognize how much I adore, adore people and adore patients once I finally had that opportunity. And so... It was challenging for me through medical school because, and you're down in Tennessee, but I, I went to, to med school in the capital of the Confederacy um, in Richmond. Um, so a lot of different challenges here that will have to be yeah. part two of right? the show here. Though, I was right but, down the road from you, know, you, Dr. King. I was in Blacksburg. So I, I get it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not talking to somebody who doesn't want to get it too. Um, and so those were some of the challenges that I had. Here it is, this kid who... Um, you know, it's interesting, guys. I was living in the frat house with my fraternity brothers, and I was didn't know what I was going to necessarily do. I knew I was really good at bio. I was all just like everyone else. And I applied. And I'm there in the frat house. And one day I get this letter. You've been accepted to medical school. I'm like, well, what, what, what just happened? Right. What's going on here? So you were talking about you're looking and you talk about a blessing here that the good Lord said, I have bigger things to do. And so when I get to medical school, like I said, it's different being in the South. I mean, look, I grew up in Virginia, but it's different um, when you're in a, in a kind of a different situation. And then from there, I then trained in Columbia in New York. And that's where I had to, it was difficult again, because I had to get comfortable with Spanish. And I'm, I'm fine now. I did some time in Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, a lot of other places. But what I mean is that there's so much growth that happens through this process of where I was uh, a couple of decades ago from some science kid who didn't know that he could actually be a doctor to where my journey has brought me to now. So as I talk to, to kids and other people who are younger, who are looking at the finished product, right? It's so easy to look at the finished product and not recognize the struggle that we all have gone through and go through yes. each and every day. And so as I tell my young people, I always tell them, obviously, believe in yourself, but more importantly, be yourself because everybody else is already taken. Yes. Yes. Be yourself and make sure you know who you are and it'll get mm -hmm. you there, but you have to keep fighting each and every day. And so when you're looking at someone like all of us who are not the norm, when you look at doctors across the nation, like I said, we're part of the five percent. Yes. And so when you see that, that's something that's very special. And even if there are young children or, or people who have children that don't necessarily look like us, the struggle is still there to make sure you know who you are and you're focusing on that person that matters most, which brought us all here today. 
It's all about patience. Yeah. It's all about you who are watching and listening to us and making sure that that has to be your focus. This is a very selfless sort of job. Yeah. And it's important that you kind of know your makeup um, before you go in. But yeah. I promise it's doable. Just make sure you lay it all, lay it all out on the yeah. line. I love it, y'all. I So I have to tell you guys, I um, who are listening to the show, so for those of you who are here in the beginning, so Ken is family. And I'm, I'm struggling calling him Ken because that's not how I know him. But his kid is <laughs> family. And then Dr. Shayla and Dr. Tawari are family, too, because they're sorority sisters. They're family, yes, they're yeah. family, too. And so I, when I, I, it just hit me. I was like, it's, it's Black History Month, plus it's, it's Heart Health Month, right, with the American Heart Association. There's so much going on. And this would be such a fantastic conversation to have. And I am just so honored that the three of you so quickly would say yes to do this and and have such a great and deep conversation. And I do, I honestly do want to have it again because this whole idea of STEM and, and having young people really think deeply about STEM, trying to increase that 5%, right, of, of physicians because representation matters, um, understanding how to advocate the fact that all three of you have really great perspectives on our own health advocacy and owning our own stuff, right? We can't rely on our physicians to do everything for us. We have to participate. You don't want to be on that drug anymore. What are you going to do to help that, right? If you're not feeling well, what are you paying attention to? Why are you booking one appointment every 10 years, right? What are the things that we can do? And so we are, we, we're going to find a way to have you three back on again, to have some deeper conversations about some of this stuff and especially about what we can do with everything that's going on to really dig deeper into some of the health disparities, right? What can, what can we as individuals do to start to address some of that? So with that, I know we're a little over. I try to try to keep it to an hour, but those of you who came into the audience, thank you so much for being here. For those of you who listen on, on YouTube, I really appreciate it. Um, and I'll be loading up their, uh, their bios as well for you for Dr. Shayla, Dr. Tawari, Dr. Ken, Thank you guys so much for being a part of Alignment Vision Action. I'm just, I am over the moon. Um, I'm actually not sleepy and this is way past my bedtime. Thank you, Laura. So it was a pleasure. I thank you all for being here. Yeah. You have been listening to the Rutledge Perspective Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and for connecting. You can find previous episodes of the podcast on my website at laurelrutledge.com forward slash podcast. You can also find me on social media at Laurel K. Rutledge and or The Rutledge Perspective. And I'd love your perspective on the things we talk about. And if there's a specific topic you want me to cover, just let me know. And please share this podcast with someone in your village who may need this little piece of perspective today. And if you're so inclined, I would really appreciate a five-star rating and review on the platform of your choice. Apple Podcasts and Spotify reviews are particularly helpful. Thank you again for listening. Take care.